They found gold at Sutter's Mill. Gold? 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 Every school kid in California learns about the gold rush. You know, 49ers and Eureka and old-timey miners named Gus with cute donkeys named Beatrice. The event is wildly mythologized, of course. Those miners murdered indigenous people, burned down Chinatowns, brought white supremacy to California. But in this modern state of ours, there's now a chance to tie that era to, of all things, social justice. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. Today, my LA Times colleague Erica D. Smith tells us about two brothers fighting for compensation for the land they say was taken from their formerly enslaved ancestors during the gold rush. Their story got pulled into an even bigger debate happening right now in California. A first-of-its-kind task force is trying to decide, will the state pay reparations to black people? And if so, who should get it? Erica, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me. In all my readings, I never once thought of tying reparations to the gold rush until reading your great column. So what was your entry point into the gold rush and reparations? So I came to the story based off of Bruce's Beach, which is a piece of oceanfront property in Manhattan Beach that was owned years ago by a black family that was taken by eminent domain. And it was last year that the state decided to give this piece of property back to the original black family after a whole lot of arguing and debating. And this was kind of the first real form of reparations here in California that had been talked about. Now is the time for reckoning. Reparative justice is what we seek. Apologize, make amends. Pay restitution to the Bruce family. So the woman that represented the Bruce family has since then gone through other parts of the state and talked to different families. One of them happened to be these two brothers out of Sacramento, Jonathan and Matthew Burgess. So tell me, just tell me about yourself. Uh, Well, I am a, oh man, fifth generation that I know of Californian. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, have lived in so I met Jonathan and his brother Matthew in Sacramento at a state park called a Sutter's Fort State Historic Park. And then this is the family Bible. Mm. It's been a mile for over 170 years. Their parents, particularly their mother, was very much into teaching them their history and making sure that they understood their family's history, black history. We know that we have 170 years of lost income and wages and opportunity mm-hmm. and all the other trauma and harm that doing this story every time I repeat it. I'm going to need some therapy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. What did they say happened with their ancestor back in those days of the gold rush? So basically their great-grandfather, best I can tell, who's a gentleman named Rufus M. Burgess, was brought to Coloma by the man who had enslaved him. Rufus was able to buy his freedom and his wife, he was able to bring his son, Rufus M. Burgess Jr., in, who was also a slave. And they settled in Coloma. From best they can tell, they owned several acres of property, both on the side of the American River where gold was found and on the opposite side of the American River. They also apparently owned a blacksmith shop and a few other acres around there. Basically, their relatives were able to stay there until the 1900s, in which the state took the area by eminent domain to build what is now a state park, marking the site where gold was found. 
So they saw what happened at Bruce's Beach in Manhattan Beach, and they basically want something similar from the governor. And so this was foundational wealth, and it's taken for one reason, mm -hmm. because others felt that we shouldn't have it. But there are other families up there that didn't look like us, and they're still wealthy today. They want the governor to sign over to their family acres of what they say their ancestors owned in Coloma, but they also want restitution. Now, I would like to recognize John Burgess. You are recognized. Thank you, Madam Chair. My name is Jonathan Burgess. Back in September of last year, Jonathan actually went before the California Reparations Task Force and told his family's story. What I've learned is that the tactics that were used here were used all over the place. The institutions were, in fact, responsible. The state of California is one of them. I want immediate restitution. So, Erica, what is the Task Force on Reparations? So the Task Force on Reparations was formed basically in 2021 is when they first started meeting. Well, let me welcome all of you to the first convening of the Reparations Task Force. This it sounds like a crazy idea, but we have to remember that nationally, former Michigan Representative John Conyers had proposed a bill for decades. Decades, yeah, yeah. trying to study the same thing, that it went basically nowhere until really last year. You know, as our country reckons with our painful legacy of racial injustice, California, again, is poised to, to lead the way. This task force is studying the harms done to Black people during enslavement. What was done, what have been the after effects, what possible reparations could be made. It doesn't have to be financially just cutting a check. It could be anything from housing assistance. It could be tuition waiving for college. It could be pretty much anything people want it to be, but their entire job is to figure out what it should be, and more importantly, who is eligible. Coming up after the break, things on the task force get complicated. Welcome back. Erica, California is the first state to do a reparations task force of its kind. But this reparations idea has already been happening on a smaller scale. In Evanston, Illinois, they experimented with it. Detroit is considering something as well. Berkeley, too. A lot of discussion all over the country. But how is California's task force unique from maybe some of the other examples that have already been considered or put into place? Yeah, you mentioned Evanston, Illinois. So that's generally considered the first city to actually do reparations in the U.S. They took money from cannabis sales and used it for housing assistance for the city's Black residents. And it's interesting because they've been doing it for several months. But looking back on it now, there's a lot of questions now about the same things and in some ways our task force is dealing with, which is a question of eligibility. Who is eligible to get this assistance? Why are they eligible? Um, all Black people? Should it be only people who are descended from slaves? And by descended, that means that you can prove it. And that's a hard thing for a lot of people to deal with. But ultimately, I think the future of reparations really is going to come down to answering that question. How have things been going with the California Task Force and reparations so far? The AB 3121 Task Force meeting is now called to order. Good morning. My name is Camille. Their meetings have been going at a pretty good clip. Like I said, they're meeting about once a month. But last month, they hit a hangup. We literally had half the task force basically being like, we need to do it by descendants of slaves, period, end of story. I am in favor of a lineage standard, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. The other half of the task force wasn't as convinced. 
I have issues with the lineage discussion because I don't know how easy it will be for people to prove that and what process we will take them through for that, including myself. Yeah, you mentioned proving it. And, you know, is it as easy as Ancestry.com? Log in for your membership and all of a sudden, ta-da, you, you know, you were descended from slaves? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little, frankly, a little weirded out by giving my DNA to private companies to figure out, you know, where I was descended from. But I did try to track down my great-grandmother on my mother's side of the family. She was born in New Orleans and was married there. And a few years ago, my mother and I actually went to New Orleans. We were there on vacation, but we took some time to try to track down some of the records. And we went to, you know, some of the government offices. I'd done some digging online ahead of time because, you know, New Orleans is one of those places that has kept a lot of records for Black Americans that were supposedly more accurate than other cities have. But we'd found no kind of marriage license, no, no nothing. So there's a whole lot of things in my family that have been lost to time. Some of my cousins actually have done the genealogy, Ancestry.com thing, but nobody's succeeded in saying, here's a document for one of our ancestors who was enslaved. So like if I was put to this right now, I don't know if I could prove it. And that's even assuming that you even know your family, because there's a lot of people who are, for example, in the foster care system that do not know their parents. So there's all kinds of hangups with this, which I think is probably one of the reasons why it's kind of gone nowhere. So on this issue, like say only people who can prove that they're descended from enslaved people, what's the argument for that? You already kind of mentioned what the argument is against it, but what's the argument for it? Well, the argument for it is that it's most likely to stand up in court. Most people anticipate that at some point this is going to be a lawsuit. I mean, it's going to get challenged in the courts. And legal experts have told the task force, they've told other cities that have asked that It's a lot easier to prove harm if you can say my great-grandfather and my family lost their land, like the Burgess brothers, because of the impacts of slavery in later on eminent domain by the state. That's proving harm, and therefore this is the dollar amount that you get. But if you're just a Black person and it's unclear whether or not you had direct harm from slavery in a financial sense of the word or legal sense of the word, it's going to be harder and it's going to expose whatever the task force decides to do and the legislature decides to do, open to lawsuits. After the break, a different option. And we're back with my fellow LA Times columnist, Erica D. Smith. And Erica, before the break, you were mentioning how some folks are pushing that only people who could trace their lineage back to formerly enslaved people should be eligible for reparations in California. What about the folks who say there should be reparations for all Black Californians? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much half the task force that believes that or at least should be considered. And, you know, I think on an ethical, moral sense, I think that makes a lot of sense. Whether you were descended from slaves or not, you are still suffering from racism, and which in the after effects of slavery. I mean, you're still, people still weren't able to buy homes or weren't able to get loans, which has led to an inordinate number of Black Americans who are homeless, for example, or on the verge of homelessness. There's still health inequities because of lack of access to health care. You can go down the list. This is a collective harm that requires a collective remedy. It's a problem that anyone with black skin faces at every moment, every point in time, every moment of their being in this country. When you go into the hospital, 
when you apply for a loan to try and get a mortgage. People are focused on your black skin, not necessarily your lineage. So there's the thinking that everybody who's a subject of racism should basically get some form of money or some sort of reparations, whatever it ends up being. And there's also the idea, too, that if we do have this kind of two-tiered system where only people who can prove that they were the descendants of slaves are eligible for reparations, but everybody else is not, that that's going to create some sort of divisions within the community, which is personally my fear that that is what will happen. So I feel like reparations should go forward, but I I think we have to be clear-eyed about the fact that there are going to be unintended consequences that may not necessarily be positive either. So I think the task force is kind of grappling with that now. And how do the Burgess brothers, the gentleman that you talked to whose family's land was taken away during the gold rush, how do they feel about the idea of reparations for all black Californians? They feel pretty strongly that it should only be descendants. It has to be lineage. Okay. It has to be lineage. Every white person in California Mm -hmm. did not own slaves. Why then are we trying to take a California bill and make a blanket policy for every black person in California? And I get that. I mean, they fall into that category. But there's also questions even around their own, you know, particular family. They have documents that they say prove that their ancestors were enslaved. It's still an open question as to what California, assuming we do adopt reparations, will even require to prove that. So it's all very complicated when you're talking about the analysis of history and, you know, particularly when records just weren't kept that well when it involved Black people. Yeah, totally. So the reparations task force is meeting this month. What do you expect is going to happen this time around? Well, last month they were supposed to vote on this question of eligibility. Basically, they punted because they could not come to an agreement. This time around, there's at least five or six experts that are going to be testifying, talking about, I'm assuming, the good and the bad, the complications and the reasons to do it. I would hope they would vote this time. I I think it's one of these things that you kind of have to pick a side. I mean, (laughs) and kind of go for it. I'm glad I'm not on the task force and has to decide, but I do feel like this process has to go forward. And there's a point where you need to decide what you're going to do. Finally, how does whatever happens in California, how does that influence the rest of the national conversation on reparations, especially on a federal level? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, this month, actually, there were a number of members of the House that were urging the Biden administration, urging Democrats in Congress to pass H.R. 40, which is that bill that's been introduced for decades that would create a national task force to study reparations. So I would imagine whenever, if ever, that task force on the national level gets created, it will probably be modeled a lot after what California does. Because they're going to be having these same arguments, and the reality is there's probably a lot of the same experts testifying. And so I think we have this ability yet again here in California to kind of set the tone about what this really thorny issue could look like. But I think that we have to wrestle with this because it's a matter of justice and it's a matter of righting the wrongs of history. Erica, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks, Gustavo. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, our foreign correspondent goes to a funeral for a Ukrainian soldier. 
Freelance producer Maya Croft was a hef on this episode, and our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow the times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to put you podcasts. And hey, take a minute to make sure you're actually following us on whatever platform you use. Like, check right now. Click the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever you want, but just click on it right now, the follow button, so you never miss an episode. Gracias. Well, I say gracias later, but I'll say it again. I'm Gustavo Arellano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Thank you. Thank you.